0: Audio.
1: Welcome to Truth Tribe with Doug Grotheis, where we seek the truth about the things that matter most through reason and evidence. I'd like to read a review of Matt Walsh's film and book called "What Is a Woman: One Man's Search to Answer the Question of a Generation." This film was released about a year ago. You had to be a Daily Wire subscriber to watch it. And then it was re released about a week before I am recording this. Recording this on June 12, 2023. It's released on Twitter. They tried to shut it down, but then they eventually, with Elon Musk's intervention, released it for free. I don't know if it's still available for free, but it's certainly worth watching. Let me make a few prefatory comments about Matt Walsh. Matt Walsh is an incisive thinker. He has strong views. He can sometimes be a bit acerbic. He does not present himself the way that I would as a social commentator. But nevertheless, I listened to his program just about, Every day that he puts one out, I don't always listen to the whole thing. He tends to be a bit repetitive sometimes, but he has his finger on the issues of gender ideology, and he tends to be very clear, straightforward, direct on this issue. He also has a lot of courage, and he has exposed a bunch of what is going on. And he has also inspired a lot of legislation to end gender transition, so-called procedures on minors. So, let me go ahead and read this review of his documentary and book, What is a Woman? How could a popular podcaster and author produce a feature film and write a book with the title, What is a Woman? Does not everyone know the answer to that? After all, Humanity is a dimorphic species, consisting of males and females, each with its own distinctive DNA, XY or XX, and gametes, which are either sperm gametes or egg gametes. God created humans as male and female, Genesis 1.27, but now the known has become the unknown, and the true has become the false. That is, if transgender ideology has it right. How did it happen? Consider the legal and philosophical story. On June 26, 2015, after decades of moral decay regarding sexual ethics, the Supreme Court detonated an explosion that decimated millennia of legal precedent and perennial wisdom, and which sent shockwaves Throughout the country and the world, the court legalized same-sex marriage in its ruling on Obergefell versus Hodges. The late Christian writer and activist Charles Colson, 1931 to 2012, longed warned long warned that this issue was a hill to die on, given its grave implications. After the ruling, the Obama White House was lit up in the col- in the colors of the rainbow to affirm its allegiance to this agenda. Things had changed quickly and radically on this issue. The Defense of Marriage Act, or DOMA, had been signed into law by President Bill Clinton in 1996. But in February of 2011, President Barack Obama announced that the Department of Justice would no longer defend Doma. DOMA's provision, defining marriage as only between a man and a woman. This led to the Supreme Court's Obergefell decision. While this legal change was rapid, the devolution of sexual morality has a long and perverse pedigree. The short version is that through the history of ideas, the self has been separated from any sacred order or moral standards. This is known as expressive individualism and is marvelously explained in Carl Truman's brilliant book The Rise and Triumph of the Modern Self. To put it in biblical terms, quote, In those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did what was right in his own eyes. Judges 21, verses, verse 25 in the King James. Apart from the divine authority, everyone becomes his or her own authority, especially over their own body. This declaration of independence from God has its origins in the fall, Genesis 3, but is played out in secular philosophy over several centuries, resulting in a combination of hedonism and relativism. There may be no God, Nietzsche, but we do know our impulses, And the strongest of these impulses is often sexual. Yet because of the fall, our sexual desires are often warped and distorted. They aim in the wrong direction. Hence the biblical prohibitions against any sexual intimacy outside of heterosexual monogamy. But when flames of biblical truth fade in a society, the beasts of prey no longer fear exposure or condemnation. As Os Guinness wrote concerning the rise of the occult in America, this is from The Dust of Death, 1973, quote, Early hunters on on the safari in Africa used to build their fires high at night in order to keep away the animals in the bush. But when the fires burned low in the early hours of the morning, they would see all around them the approaching outlined shapes of animals and a ring of encircling eyes in the darkness. When the fire was high, they were far off. But when the fire was low, they approached again, unquote. Enter Matt Walsh into the fray, a young, bright, witty, and sometimes brash political commentator and a conservative Roman Catholic with a vast following. Both Walsh's book and film were produced by The Daily Wire, a growing conservative media company founded by Ben Shapiro was also one of its commentators. Walsh's podcast frequently addresses LGBTQ plus controversies, and he is a tireless defender of traditional sexual ethics. Walsh prides himself as not having gone to college, but he is often an incisive thinker who can ferret out the assumptions and knows where they lead logically. These skills are on display in both the film and in the book. What is a Woman is a kind of film that needs a book to substantiate its claims because it trades on ideas. The book is more conversational than academic, but it addresses the ideas of sexologists, professors, philosophers, activists, counselors, and physicians. We meet these folks in the film through Walsh's interviews, but their ideas are mostly documented in the book. While he can be acerbic on his podcast— Matt Walsh is respectful to everyone he interviews, even when he challenges them to be consistent with their ideas. The question, what is a woman, has become controversial because common sense and simple logic have been abandoned. The culprit is gender ideology, as Walsh makes clear. Why would an 11-year-old girl be told that she is wise to transition to becoming a man if it is her authentic self? How could a physician perform surgery to castrate a man or remove the breasts of a young woman? Much of it goes back to two very perverted men, Dr. John Money and Dr. Alfred Kinsey. Walsh interviews Dr. Miriam Grossman about gender theory, who begins with Alfred Kinsey. She says, quote, he wanted to rid society of Judeo-Christian values when it came to sexuality, and he worked very hard to do that, and I would say he succeeded, Unquote. Kinsey was a professor of zoology at Indiana University in Bloomington, where he began his study of sex. He was an expert in wasps before switching to sex. Having abandoned any moral constraints on sex, Kinsey thought that humans were sexual at every point in their lives, including childhood. Traditional mores were repressive and caused suffering. Freedom came through unrestrained sexual experience. Kinsey published Sexual Behavior in the Human Male in 1948. Sexual Behavior in the Human Female was published in 1953. Both studies claimed that abhorrent forms of sexual activity, such as homosexuality, lesbianism, pedophilia, and more, were more common than thought. However, his studies were seriously flawed. Quote, Kinsey was interviewing convicted sex offenders, unquote, Dr. Grossman told Walsh. Quote, he was going into jails and interviewing child molesters, people who committed sexual assault. He was interviewing prostitutes. Terrible experiments were done on children under year one. They were basically being sexually assaulted. Unquote. Nevertheless, it was Kinsey who helped normalize sexual deviancy and is considered a hero by many. About 20 years ago, there was a film made about Kinsey, which I believe won an Academy Award. Another key figure is Dr. John Money, psychologist from New Zealand, who claimed that sexuality was due more to nurture than to nature. We are born sexually neutral, he thought. We are socialized into being male or female. He, more than anyone, advanced the crucial and bogus distinction between biological sex and socially constructed gender. He was also indirectly responsible for the death of a young man named Bruce Reimer, whose penis was cut off during a botched circumcision. Money told the parents to have the baby castrated and to raise him as a girl, since gender was acquired over time, not given or assigned at birth. He became Brenda. But the boy remained a boy and acted like one. He never fit in as a woman. When he was eventually told he was biologically male, he accepted this fact and lived as a man, even marrying and adopting children. That is, until he committed suicide at age 39. His parents blamed Dr. John Money for it, the man who sanctioned and supported it all along. Walsh interviewed transgender ideologues as well, as critics of transgenderism, such as Dr. Grossman, quoted above. Some of the most telling interviews are with transgender advocates. One interviewee, who is clearly a biological woman, says she is not a woman, and that she affirms that women can have penises. Not one of the transgender advocates can answer Matt's question, what is a woman, with any clarity, nor can the people on the street that he interviews. This is simply because of the distinction made by John Money, and so many more since, that gender has no necessary association with one's given sex. In fact, sex is not a given of nature, but is assigned at birth by doctors and parents. Therefore, if someone identifies as a woman, then this person is a woman. It all depends on their sense of self. Here, expressive individualism, as Carl Truman would put it, is applied to sexuality in all its absurdity. When Walsh probes for real answers to his questions, he is greeted by hostility and character assassination by the transgender ideologues. Consider Professor Dr. Patrick Granza, or Granka, the Chair of Women, Gender, and Sexuality Interdisciplinary Program at the University of Tennessee, Knoxville. As a professor myself of many years, it was embarrassing to see the professor speak in an obfuscating academies and to never make a solid point. But I would ex- not expect someone with that job title to be a straight shooter. After Grzenka, I may be mispronouncing that, is asked about, quote, the truth and reality of trans women, he replies, quote, You keep invoking the word truth. Which is condescending and rude. I'm really uncomfortable with the language of getting to the truth because it sounds actually deeply transphobic to me. Unquote. After Grizanka threatens to end the interview, Walsh calms him down a bit, but is later told I don't go around talking about capital T truth, because it is often used as a weapon against people whose ideas, experiences, and lives don't fit so nearly into the kinds of stories that oftentimes books with bad intentions try to tell. Unquote. Walsh comments about this are on target quote, I had learned a lot about the truth so far from my journey. And as for radical Dr. Grzynka, his fear of the truth was very understandable. After all, the truth would tear his entire world down. When Walsh asks Dr. Michelle, Fossier, Associate Professor of Pediatrics and Assistant Dean of Admissions at Brown University, Albert Medical School. What a woman is, quote, in reality and truth, unquote, she responds, whose truth are we talking about? The same truth that says we're sitting in this room right now, you and I. We're not on a plane in the sky. We're not in Victorian England. This is what Matt Walsh said. My patient's truth isn't determined by you, Dr. Fourcier said, matter-of-factly. This muck about truth is postmodernism applied to gender, and I wrote about this in my book, Truth Decay, in the year 2000. There's no fixed and objective truth, especially related to human existence. Our identities are constructed, deconstructed, and may be reconstructed, all without appeal to any objective and normative standard outside of ourselves. Even more, the hard and unambiguous physical reality of biology is now ignored or discounted. The body is mere stuff to be manipulated as one pleases. It is not taken to be, quote, fearfully and wonderfully made, unquote, as Scripture teaches. Psalm 139, verse 14. But that change requires mutilation. Walsh interviews Scott Nugent, who identifies as a biological woman, with three children, who was chemically and surgically altered to appear as a man. Nugent's emotional testimony exposes the dark side of transitions, which gender ideologues seldom mention. Since it is impossible for a man to become a woman or a woman to become a man, severe alterations must be made to cement the facade. Nugent was left in terrible health, regrets the decision, and warns people against it. Jordan Peterson, whom Matt Walsh interviews, tells Walsh that, quote, carving up, unquote, the body to fit a temperament is deeply wrong when other options are available. A man can be somewhat feminine, still be a man. A woman can be somewhat masculine, still be a man. It doesn't mean that either one of them is gay. Walsh gives shorter interviews of people on the street and at the annual Women's March, asking them, what is a woman? Many don't know how to answer or give circular answers. This happens often in the film, which avoid the real question. Walsh sums it up. Apparently, circular reasoning is a feature of transgender ideologues. They either claim they can't answer the question because they lack a certain identity or they define the term using the term itself, making the definition completely meaningless. You cannot define a term by using the term itself. Matt Walsh is smart, plucky and brave. His life has been threatened as has the lives of his family members. When I heard him speak last year, Attendees were checked for weapons before entering. Walsh's weapons of truth, weapons of choice, are truth, logic, and evidence. And they are all on full display in the book and film, What is a Woman? This is Doug Rothheis. You've been listening to Truth Tribe, where we try to seek the truth about what matters through reason and evidence. If you'd like to know more about me, and my ministry, please go to douglasgrotheis.com and please tell your friends about this podcast.
0: Truth Tribe is a production of Life Audio and Salem Media. If you liked what you heard today, please take a second to rate and review this podcast in your favorite podcast app so that more listeners like you can find the show. For more faith-filled inspirational podcasts, visit us at lifeaudio.com.
1: And one by one, I watched my dear friends get engaged, get married, start having children, and especially as a woman. I felt like there was a certain timeline that these things needed to happen in my life. Charity Gale shares a personal testimony on The Walk, a podcast for worshipers. Join us weekly to hear songwriters, worship leaders, filmmakers, and other creatives tell their stories in the form of a devotional. The Walk can be found on lifeaudio.com or your favorite podcast platform.